I love that story about the guy who walks into a pub in Boston on St. Patrick's Day, and he says, I'll raise a Guinness in honor of Ireland with anyone here. And fellow, a fellow swings around in his stool and says, you're Irish, aren't you? And he says, yes. He says, I'm from Ireland, too. And they're so excited. They hug each other. He says, where from? He said, I was born in Dublin. No, actually, I was not born in Dublin. It was actually outside of Dublin in a little village called Calarum. And, and the other guy goes, I was born in Calarum. And they're so excited. They hug again. And he said, what school did you go to? I went to St. Mary's. I went to St. Mary's. And they hug again. And then the one guy goes, well, what year did you graduate? He says, I graduated in 1959. The other guy goes, I graduated in 1959. And the bartender walks away. Somebody says, Mick, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm sick and tired of it. The old Mally twins are drunk again. (laughs) Now, you don't have to get drunk to be excited about what's going on here at Axis Church. It is a joy to see uh, what is happening and how God is leading us and guiding us, and it's a joy to be a part of it. Uh, last Sunday night, we had a campaign dinner called It Matters, and a lot of you were there. Some of you who weren't able to be there. It was a great experience, a great night, uh, where two churches really came together, and we committed together. And uh, it really felt like one church, actually. Months ago, we met together for uh, a dinner, and it felt like two churches. In fact, when we met together, it felt like we were kind of separated. We were just now starting the process. But on this night, it felt like we were together. It felt like for the first time, we were all kind of participating together. Rob uh, Carpenter gets up, and he opens up and jokes a little bit, and he says, well, those of you in Middletown, you get to see me again. And they all applauded, like, yeah, we get to see you again. And it kind of felt like, all right, you know, we're part of this thing together. And, and then we had worship together. Jeff Metzger did a great job speaking. And I went around the room and asked people why it matters, and there was Stella. Stella was sort of our... Uh, our example in Middletown that we keep using of, of somebody who's an older generation, and yet she is a part of this. She's excited about it, and, and, uh, and she buys donuts for the pastors and for the people, actually, but she buys really big donuts for the pastors. And this morning, she didn't know I was going to come up there. I was up there to kind of give them some paperwork and work with a couple of things before I came here. And she goes, I didn't expect to see you. And I was like, oh, we hugged together. No, I'm just kidding. So I just saw her. I said, hey, where were you? <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, so I was like, hey, Stella. I said, well, I don't, she said, I don't have your donuts. Donut. And I was like, well, she said, but the cinnamon one is big. I was like, that's great. And she said, I'll just, I said, I'll take half. She said, oh, no, eat the whole thing. Eat the whole thing. So she made me eat the whole thing. And uh, but anyway, so then, but she, we just, she went around and it matters to me for this reason, that reason, and different people from the room, different congregation, different area, location said, we're for it for this reason, that reason. And when the commitments came in, you know, our goal was 100000 for today. And 150,000 through December, and and it was 119 that was committed for this weekend, and 94 that was committed uh, by the end of the year. So we blew away those numbers and and uh, exceeded them together, and which is always great because you never know exactly what is going to happen by the end. There are always things you don't plan for, and so I always said from the very beginning, God knows what is needed, and so it was a great night together of celebration, and we're looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the next few months. We've already started work over here in the kids' area. If you guys poked your head in, I mean, I don't have an office anymore. It's now part of the nursery, and already the walls are getting ripped out, and uh, we started that on Monday right away, and so that area is going to be changing 
We're going to go online. Our goal is that we'll have online worship experiences by the middle of August, and the technology will help to, to enhance that. And then uh, the building in Middletown, which they really need. The building today they have is about 3,500 square feet. And uh, to do what we want to do in that location, there's this modest worship building. It's similar in size to this, a metal building, and uh, similar in size to this room. And, and, and today, they've marked off and staked that building as they are praying for that today in Middletown. And, and, uh, and so over the next couple months, get through the permit process. It'll get started up there. So thank you guys for being a part of that. And in light of that, I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which has been our landing spot for this series, It Matters. It says, the service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, like in Middletown, like in Mason, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of this service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And we have said the gospel matters and grace matters and growth matters and generosity matters. And today we're going to talk about how God's glory matters. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And there is a church that is described in the book of Acts that I think really brought a lot of glory to God. And I think it's very similar to what we're seeing here today. It's called the church at Antioch and it's in Acts chapter 11. And this church in Antioch was an example of a church that was easy to get excited about. It was a church that really brought God glory. And at the time of this writing, Antioch was the third largest city in the, in the world. Only Rome and Alexandria were cities of greater uh, renown. Antioch was about 20 miles east of the coast of the Mediterranean and about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And it had become kind of the first century melting pot between the eastern and western cultures. In Christian history, outside of the city of Jerusalem, Antioch was the most significant city. It was in Antioch that we first sent missionaries. It was in Antioch that the gospel then went to the Europeans, and it went then to the Greeks as well. It was in Antioch that Paul had his home base for his missionary journeys, and it was in Antioch that Christians were first called Christians. Antioch was a city and a church that was not only well-known, but really brought God glory. And what I want to do is just read through this passage and just kind of appreciate you all along the way. The first thing I see is that God is glorified when we take bold steps of faith. Acts eleven nineteen says, Those who have been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And notice that phrase, went to the Greeks also. And you should be glad about that. Because the message of the gospel extended beyond the Jews. It then went to Europe and beyond. And all of us today have been impacted by this church who really went out beyond the box. They went outside the walls. They stepped out on the frontier. The church in Antioch was ahead of other people. They were not afraid to do something different. Not afraid of do something that would cause change. Or even have some critics step up and say, what are you guys doing? But I can tell you, the church at Antioch, if they had a board, and I don't know if they did, but if they had a board, certainly no one in that board folded their hands and said, well, we're not going to do that because we have never done that before. You guys ever been in those board meetings? Apparently not. So I have. But at the church in Antioch, they had been, they, had, they went past that. They said, we're not going to worry about those things. 
They were going to do new things, things that had never been done before. These were individuals that were absolutely dedicated to God. The church at Antioch had this position that was, we're not just going to endure change, we're going to make change. The Holy Spirit is going to keep it fresh, and God's going to grow the church. Did you know in America today, 85% of churches in America are either stagnant or declining? Only 2% of churches are growing primarily through reaching the lost. Only 2% of churches are growing because of reaching the lost. And one of the reasons I'm so excited today now is because your willingness to be different, your willingness to take steps of faith, whether that be in El Salvador and building a house for Pastor Ruben. Yesterday, he sent me messages on Facebook, and he uh, was speaking in English, and uh, I spoke in Spanish. He said, Steve, your English or your Spanish is very excellent. I was like, yeah, all right, it's excellent. And I said, your English is pretty good, too. And then he put his daughter on the phone, and she said, hola. And she said, okay, okay, she's learning. She's just little Allison. Allison lives there on site now, thanks to Axis Church, and, uh, and they have windows and doors for their church, thanks, and they have security there, thanks to Axis Church, and, and they have bathrooms there, thanks to God using you all. God is glorified when we take bold steps of faith, whether that be in El Salvador, or whether that be in Middletown, Ohio, and we say, we're going to give to a facility and to a group of people that maybe we may not ever worship in that building, but we are part of the same process. We are part of the same kingdom expansion. And I'm so excited that we just embraced that and said, God, what can happen in that area and what can happen in our hearts as well? God is glorified when we take bold steps of faith. Number two, God is glorified when we love people who are far from him. Verse 20 says, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Twice in this section of Scripture, he says a great number of people believed and came to the Lord. And you all have the same heart. It's an evangelistic heart. Only 65% of Christians will die, or 65% of Christians will die without ever sharing their faith with another human being. 65% will die without ever sharing their faith. The demographic studies that told us in this area, in Warren County, only about 17% of our community said that they were strongly involved with their faith. That meant 83% were either marginal in their faith or they didn't have faith at all or they just didn't practice. And so the field was literally white ripe into harvest. And I'm excited because this is a church that loves people who are far from God. You don't have this condemning attitude that looks down on others. Like Jesus, you see people where they are and you lead with love. And we have tried many ways to bridge the gap with people. We use that phrase, we want to lead with love. Whether that be our community groups that have a desire to reach the communities around them. Uh, some who, one who reaches out to the teachers at Lebanon High School still today. We just did a dinner with them just about three weeks ago. And they are so appreciative, so thankful that we serve them in that way. Another group that's committed to, in the past, they would do yard sales, free yard sales in South Lebanon. Another group that said, we want to be involved in the active community. And that eventually became kind of the, the, the genesis for CrossFit Mason. And we are seeing these cross relationships all of the time. When we started Project 215 and the coffee shop. Coffee shop this week had the biggest week they have ever had in the history of Kyla Coffee House this week. And Roger and Jackie said, I don't know what happened. What happened? And one of them looked at the other and said, could it be the commitment that we just made on Sunday night? I don't know. 
but God is good. And this week, so many people came. And we're building relationships with people. And Axis continues to grow and reach beyond its walls. That's the reason when we met with Karma a few months ago and we had over Thanksgiving our joint time together. And many in the Persian community are agnostic. Others have a Muslim faith. Some have a Christian faith. But in that way and in that room, we worshiped really together. We celebrated together. And they said, we're going to play our music. And why don't you all play some of your music? And I said, you do understand what our music is about. And they said, we want you to do it. And here we all are together singing, God is so good. God is so good to me. Because we lead with love. We lead with love. And it's a tribute to your sharing your life and your faith with those around you that we continue to see people come to faith in Christ. And here's the goal. I would just love in this next year, 2019, 2020, this upcoming season, that we would have more people be baptized in this year than in any other year previous in the history of Axis Church. And that's a significant goal because we had some big years, especially in the early years. But that would be such a goal to say, God, can you remind us once again that the Son of Man came to seek and save those that are lost? In her book, Seize the Moment, Share the Message, Roberta Kuhn says, I've discovered that most people will come to love us before they come to love our Savior. We lead with love. Thirdly, I think God is glorified when we make disciples. Verse 22 says, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of the people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. There is something happening in Antioch. And I love the fact that Barnabas, which his name means son of encouragement, showed up and he taught and he led and he loved Saul, who became the apostle Paul. And they worked together then to disciple other people at the church there. And they began to help at the church at Antioch. They were making disciples. And friends, that has been a goal of ours from day one here at the church. And we really said from the very beginning, we want to focus on relational discipleship rather than just saying we want the church to be an event. And we've all been there. I was there for quite a while. And uh, a church that I serve was very, very focused on the event. We eventually started to turn that tide. But we started to focus so much on the event that we had stage managers and, all right, you're on in three, two, one. It's like, okay, hey, you know, um, I'm here. Welcome Cincinnati or whatever. I don't know. It never worked that way. But, hey, it was all about that. And, in fact, I made it about that. And so I would go to our staff meeting and things. I would say, guys, every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. We got to put our best foot forward. And uh, excellence was the standard. And excellence is not a bad standard. It's just it can drive you sometimes to really make the event the thing. And when we came here, we lowered the standard from excellent, this is actually true, to good enough. You know, it's good enough. And, uh, and what we did was we started to, first of all, we accepted anything that anybody would ever give us. You know those little stage pieces over there, those little gray stage pieces, pieces the kids stand up on for, uh, for singing at special events? You know where those came from? Somebody called me and said, from a local Adidas store, and said, we're getting rid of our displays for our shoes. Do you guys want them? And I was like, sure, absolutely. We'll find out a way to do them. And they became our, our, our platforms for our kids to stand on when they're singing. Some of you guys didn't know that. You're like, are our kids safe on those? They can only handle shoes. And then out here in the lobby, 
The lobby has this, uh, this grid for the tile up there, and you see it has a checkerboard pattern. Some of them are darker, some of them are lighter. And you say, oh, that's a unique engineering design. That's really cute. That's architecturally kind of satisfying. You say, well, why did they do that? Well, because I looked on Craigslist. We needed ceiling tiles. Josh, I found these, uh, these, these tiles for 300 bucks at an old company in Covington, Kentucky that was going out of business. And so we drove down there, Josh and I did. We loaded up all these ceiling tiles, and we brought them back up here. 300 bucks for ceiling tiles. Pretty good deal. But once we started counting them, we realized we didn't have enough. So I had to buy new ones, and we were like, we'll just make a checkerboard pattern. This will look cool. And that's what we did. And here's my point. There are all kinds of things like that around here. And, and while we've tried to raise the standard beyond good enough now, what we've realized is we've done a really good job keeping, keeping uh, down the cost so that we can funnel as much as we can back into ministry, community, back to people. We never want the facility to be the driving force behind what we do. We want the kingdom and the ministry and making disciples to be the driving force. And I can tell you, that's actually a lot harder to do than creating an event. Creating an event is easier. It really is. Relational discipleship is difficult. It's hard. It's hard work. Josh and I just got word from Lucid Books that they're going to pick up our book on discipleship and have it in pre-sale by November and out by December. And we are pumped about this because we think, and they're excited about it as a company, they think, they said the one thing that they get more than anything else, any other request at any church conference, they say every other trend changes every two years. But the thing that they get asked for more than anything else is a discipleship toolbox that they could take back to their church. So would you guys be praying for that as that goes public in the next few months? And we'll just see what God does. But you know, another goal that I have is that in 2019, 2020, we would have more people in community groups, in discipling relationships, in the life of this church and in Middletown than we've had in any other year in the history of our church. More people saved and more people in discipling relationships. That means if you've been on the fence about this, that you get involved in a medium-sized group called a community group, and then out of that, you'll get involved out of that group in a core group of two or three or four other women or men who are meeting with you, and you're going through the elements of discipleship together. You're learning those together. You're studying those together. You're praying about it together, and we're all growing together uh, this year in 2019-2020. Disciples who make disciples. Number four, I think God is glorified through our generosity. Verse 27 says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Holy Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread through the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Don't you love the Bible? The Bible is not a story of myths or made-up tales. He tells you in the history books in the future, you're going to read about a famine in the entire Roman world that happened during the reign of Claudius, and I'm telling you even before it happens. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. I love a lot about this passage, but one is they saw the need of some other brothers and sisters outside of their area. They gave for that. They were generous. Secondly, they gave through the elders by way of Barnabas and Saul. There was good stewardship, good management of the resources, and they did it so they would help other people out. And one of the things I love about this church at Antioch and the church at Axis is we realize that somebody else in the body of Christ has a need. We dig in and we give. They gave through the church. 
God receive the credit. And one of the things I love about the church is that we watch our resources carefully so that we can manage and help people, minister to people, and not just maintain facilities. One of the things I've noticed is this is a giving church, whether it be across the world or in our own local neighborhood, and you all continue to step up. You continue to say, we want to be the ones to give. We don't want to just rely on somebody else to give. Because it's a whole lot easier to have somebody else step up, isn't it? You hear about these two brothers who rushed in the dentist office. One was about 15, one was about 12. And the bigger boy impatiently announced, I need a tooth pulled and I don't want any gas and I don't want any Novocaine because we're in a hurry. And the dentist said, well, you're brave, son. So brave. Which tooth is it? The boy turned to his little brother and he said, show him your tooth, Albert. Get it? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. The world is full. It's all in the delivery, Jeff. It's all in the delivery. The, the world is full of volunteers like that, guys, that just say, hey, why don't you give? Why don't you sacrifice? Why don't you make the effort? Don Cousins says that biblical definition for serving the Lord would be, I choose to live my life to his glory and not my own. Somehow, we move to this place where we are generous, where we are willing to give, where we're willing to serve, we're willing to step up. And that continues to happen across the board here. And I tell you the last way that God is glorified in this passage is he's glorified in our worship. It says, the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lysias of Cyrene, Manian, who, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I like that because they were worshiping and the Holy Spirit spoke in the middle of their worship time. And he says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul because now I'm going to call them and he let them move forward and, uh, and work for the kingdom. It's interesting that they were worshiping God, and as they did, God moved. And I am excited about the worship that they had in Antioch and the worship that we had here. Our worship needs to continue to increase and extend as we become more and more excited about what God is doing, that we're more into those worship moments and experiences. And you can worship like we did today. Really excellent, excellent worship, excellent band. And, and, and we can worship like a few weeks ago when it was just David on stage. Maybe you say, well, where's everybody else? And, well, there were different people doing different things that weekend. But David led worship. And I, I was reminded as I stood in the back that, that there might be places where other people look at that and say, well, you should have done other things, should have had more. Why didn't we have more? And, and I thought in those moments, well, what a good reminder that, that with just one man leading, you can still worship, or you can worship by the bedside of an elderly grandmother, like I did about three weeks ago, a mother, a grandmother who had in, in the hospice who had dementia, who acknowledged what I was saying, but when I started singing, I asked her, could I sing Amazing Grace with you? She said, yeah, oh yeah. I started singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, and she began to mouth the words to Amazing Grace. Now, what I want to say about that is, that that was an excellent moment of worship. Just two voices in the midst of hospice. One of the things that we do together is we worship together. It can be during times of prayer, times of singing. God moves in those moments if we allow him to. And in those times of prayer, or in those times of worship, God asks them, set apart workers because there's a lot of work to do. 
And so what I want to close with today is I want us to pray these things, bold steps of faith, discipling relationships, including our kids, generosity and worship. And we're going to pray for those things today because right now in Middletown, their worship, they didn't actually have preaching today. And how many of you are like, I wish I'd gone to the Middletown to campus today, amen? But they didn't have preaching today. You know what they did? Along their building, they have banners and signs today that say children, and they have a scripture, and they're praying. They spend some time praying for that area of their building. They have a sign in, in their worship area about worshiping. And then they tape off with caution tape the actual outline of the building in the backyard. And right now today, they are walking around that building, and they are praying that God would do something great in their midst through what's happening there. And so I thought it would be great for us to join our hearts, our minds, and our spirits with the people in Middletown, and we would also pray today. So Aaron's going to come now. He's going to underscore our prayer today uh, with playing. And I'm just going to lead you through some time of silent prayer today, and then we'll close out here in just a little bit. So if you'd join me in prayer. God, today we pray for what is happening here in this place, in Middletown, El Salvador, and beyond. Help us, God, to bring you glory. And God, I pray now for these bold steps of faith, that you would continue to help us be a church that is not satisfied with the status quo, that is not satisfied to be where we are, but we continue to press forward. And God, I pray as we talk today and think about everyone in this room, that it starts with us, that these bold prayers would start with us, these bold steps of faith would start with us. And so now, guys, in the quietness of your own mind, would you just pray that God would lead you into some bold steps, maybe bold steps of talking to somebody about your faith, maybe bold steps and and maybe starting some type of ministry, maybe bold steps and in serving in a capacity you haven't, maybe some generosity move, maybe there's something God is asking you to do, a bold step of faith. And so right now, would you just pray in your mind? your heart about that. God, help us to not let these moments pass by. God, help us to embrace the moment now. To say, God, what is it in my life? What do you want me to do that's a bold step of faith? How do you want me to move beyond my comfort zone, God? What do you want me to do? Maybe as simple as going to a community group for the first time or being a leader of a group. Opening our home to host or and making sure that it's ready or maybe sharing our faith with somebody for the first time or inviting someone to church or having coffee with a friend. Or God, reconciling a relationship that needs to be reconciled. God, help us to continue to take bold steps of faith. Now, I want you to pray about discipling relationships. Who is it in your life? Maybe a child, maybe one of your children, maybe a friend that you can have an influence on, a positive influence in their life. Name that child that you know, that child of yours. Maybe a wayward or prodigal child in your family. Maybe you could pray now that God would lead them back. Maybe some of you need to be praying that your child will be in ministry even, that God will let them serve in some capacity in ministry. Would you pray right now that you'd be able to be in discipling relationships this year where you would take that discipling and you would be giving it to someone else? Just pray right now.
And then we just thank you, God, for allowing us to be generous, to be willing to share. Thank you for the stories that have already come out of people that are giving to It Matters, people that are giving, just regular giving, God, that you have blessed, you've encouraged, you've, you've, you've continued to increase the harvest of their righteousness, as the Bible says. God, thank you for using our generosity for, the, for good means. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be willing and able to, to make changes here and for providing the resources that, that were needed to, to, to build, even. God, thank you for that. God, today as a group, we pray that you continue to help us to be generous and willing to share, willing to serve other people. And now, friends, we close with just, just offering this, this prayer of worship. In your own heart, in your own mind, how are you doing in the area of worship? And maybe just right now, just spend some time praying to God that your life would be a, a life of worship. It would be a life that's a living sacrifice. That everything that you do would be holy and acceptable, pleasing to God. And then when you come in this room, in rooms like this, that you would just give your very best to God. Maybe just pray. And pray that what happens in Middletown, with the new worship area, God, that there would be great worship that happens there, that people would come to faith. And maybe you could pray that today, friend. Now, if you'd stand together, we're going to sing, we're going to worship, we're going to close this in prayer before we do that. Well, first, first hour, got to experience Carolyn praying. I, uh, she's something else. She'll raise the roof. But uh, would you just join me in prayer? Father God, we just ask today that your spirit would continue to be on the move in this place, God, in the hearts and lives of people. That, God, you would create change. God, you continue to refresh our spirit, but also you would help us to increase, God, your kingdom impact in this area and beyond. That we would be able to share our faith, to lead others to Christ, to be generous and willing to share on every occasion, to be those who are open-hearted and open-minded in worship, that we are giving our very best as we serve you, that we lead the next generation of children well, that there will be people and families and kids that are led to Christ, and that we'll continue to celebrate those things as they happen. And so God, I pray that in 2019, 2020, we'd see more people baptized in Christ than we have seen in any other single year in the history of our church. We would see more people in community groups and discipling relationships than we have ever seen in the history of our church. We personally would be more willing to give and to serve than we have before. And we, God, pray that in this location, Middletown and El Salvador, that, God, we would be able together to serve the living God with all that we have and to worship with all of our heart. And, God, I pray, I pray those things into existence through your power and your glory. We ask in the name of, the, of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.